Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. Tim, so nice to have you today. Thanks for having me, Laura. Excited to chat. Absolutely. Tim, well, the product connection to the whole world of marketing and sales has been there for some time now. Now we're talking more and more about this, like buyer behaviors and so on. And this is what we're going to talk about together with all of you is like how to unlock the intent from marketing teams, product data, and then finally sales <laughs> close and how to do that at the best way because you're the company who knows how to do it. Can you give us a quick intro to Correlated? Yeah, happy to. Um, yeah, th thanks so much for having me. So Correlated helps sales teams and, and marketing teams. So collaboration there, basically figure out which customers are the sort of highest intent or highest propensity to convert or expand or spend more. Uh, and we do that by using product data signals from them, but then also other data that is important to sales teams, like what kind of company is it, like firmographic, demographic data, who the person is who might be logging into the product. Uh, are they a buyer? Are they an end user? So we try and stitch together all these different data points to help uh, sales teams figure out who to talk to. Very interesting. And how in the buyer's journey does that fit in? Like walk me through the buyer behavior that you have seen changing in the market. Like why are you here? Yeah, I mean, I think the the broader trend and, and LinkedIn is a great place where a lot of these debates happen in public. But the, the broader trend that we are seeing is that more and more companies, SaaS companies are, are offering some sort of free trial or self-serve offering or some way for buyers or end users that uh, might inform and, and educate buyers at their companies uh, to use a product before buying it. So that's been happening more and more. I had a conversation with a, a VC recently who said that they thought more than 50% of every SaaS company that's starting you know, today will have to have some level of self-serve product. And so uh, if you give access to your product in some way, shape or form to someone who, who's apt to buy it, that changes the equation a bit on how a sales team should operate um, instead of kind of being the, 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 the foremost educator about the product and saying to a buyer, hey, let me walk you through exactly how it works and give you all the information you need from me, the buyer and users often informed already. They've, they've used the product, they understand a little bit more on how it can add value. And so the equation switches a, a bit and therefore sales teams need to know more about what the buyers are doing in the product and like which ones are maybe ready to even have a sales conversation uh, and product data is essential uh, to, to doing that. And when Escalated started at the very beginning, when did you figure out that it was actually a problem worth solving? Yeah. So before I even started Correlated, I was a salesperson uh, hired into a Series A company. Um, and you know, when I joined, it was pre-revenue pre and uh, worked with the founders uh, to kind of start to figure out, okay, what is our go-to-market motion going to look like? And when I joined, there were thousands of um, individual users, for the most part, signing up to use the product. And I worked with one of my co-founders, Diana, who's our head of product. We basically were like, okay, we need to actually know kind of what these people who are signing up are doing in the product. And we need to combine that with maybe more of the traditional data for ICP, like, okay, are they a good company? Uh, is the person who's actually in the product or signed up like a, 
like a higher level person, or maybe are they an you know an IC engineer? So we need to kind of combine these different data points um, to figure out where do we spend our time on the sales side? How do we actually allocate resources and, and prioritization? Because there were thousands to sign up, we couldn't like you know it started to just me, uh, so I couldn't just like look at all thousand and follow up and chase them up. So that was kind of where I got the idea um, because it was actually really hard to take that data, synthesize it, you know, get insights from it, and then put it into uh, Salesforce, which is the CRM we were using uh, at the time. So that was kind of the, the genesis of the idea. And we set out to kind of build a product that would help do that and make it a lot easier um, to do that so that teams didn't have to go through all the effort that, that we went through at that company. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very similar story how Dream Data started as well. It's like, I went through the pain and now I'm thinking, oh, it can be a product. Let me build it. Very cool. And now you're mentioning product data and like, you have to have a trial for that and so on. So what is the sweet spot of the company that start has to start thinking, stitching marketing product and sales data together? Yeah, I think there's, you know, for us, we focus a bit more on kind of companies that are at maybe 100 employees, 50 to 100 employees up to, you know, 2000. So I call it the, the mid market, small to mid market uh, at SME. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's kind of our focus, I think. If you're an early stage startup, maybe seed or, or even series A, um, oftentimes you can kind of get away with doing things a bit more by hand. Now that is until you get maybe that point that, that we were at at, at timescale where it was thousands a month. If, if you're at that level of scale, that's maybe a, a situation where you might want to um, start to invest a bit more. Um, I think where we also see, you know, adoption is where there's more complexity in your selling motion. So we don't necessarily have to have a huge amount of people coming in at a free trial or self-serve sign up at the top of the funnel. If you have multi-products, if you're cross-selling, if you're doing expansion as a big part of your go-to-market motion, that's definitely another area where product data um, needs to come in and where your sales team needs to understand, okay, which of our customers is suitable to attach to a different product? Uh, how do we cross-sell them? How do we expand the ones that, that are here today to have them spend more? Oftentimes that's a, a sales problem um, and something that they need uh, help solve. Interesting. But I've got a question about marketing alignment with product data, because what you have been speaking so far was very much product alignment with sales data, like how sales can sell faster. But how do you see that marketing aligning with the product data? Yeah, great, great question. A lot of our uh, customers, we, we work very closely with the marketing teams there. And so I think, you know, the main way that we engage with, with marketing teams is we help in our product, at least um, build scores. So you can kind of synthesize this data um, whether it's product data, whether it's firmographic, kind of bring those two together, billing data, all sorts of different things. Um, you can bring those things together, those different disparate data points, and then use it to build up kind of an aggregate score that then uh, you can define as a PQL or PQA. Um, and, and you can even break that down in our product much more granularly. You can say this is a, a PQA for expansion or for sales assist. Uh, this is a PQA for you know conversion. Yep, Laura, go ahead. What's PQA PQL? Thank you. Sorry, I get in my own world here and uh, I, I forget to define uh, the, the acronyms. So PQL stands for product qualified lead and PQA stands for product qualified account. I, I think it's a bit of a misnomer because the product piece is one element, but you really want to look at all the different data that's at your, you know, that it's relevant to your, your potential customers um, to, to put that score together. And so marketing teams, as you probably very well know, um, based on your role at Dream Data, I mean, they're often looking at how do we drive kind of leads? How do we drive through the funnel? How do we understand what's working or what's not working? Um, and so that's an area where, you know, we, we collaborate closely with marketing teams to help them you know, build these lead scores and then, then uh, enable the sales team with them. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what kind of use cases have you seen for marketing using product data to build on top to get more leads? Yeah, all, all sorts. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the one I just mentioned is a big one where you're kind of building out a score that you're then using to enable sales and say, hey, listen, sales, you know, this particular bucket of, of users you may not have even considered as one to reach out to, but we think they're hitting, you know, thresholds based on kind of the scoring that we've built that warrant, you know, you spending time on them. The reason why, just to illustrate, this is kind of novel is that a lot of times a, a PQL or PQA score isn't tied to like a hand raise. So a lot of times, you know, for marketing teams, traditionally you'd have maybe something like an MQL. Oftentimes someone can tip over into MQL if they fill out the you know form for pricing and they fit other characteristics and then like, okay, they requested a demo or they added a white paper and they're like a really good fit customer. So that's gonna you know tip us over. I think these you know other data points around product usage haven't historically been included. So that's one way. I think another way we've seen um, kind of product data used is actually for advertising. So um, some of our customers are building, you know, these are maybe more sophisticated use cases, but building lookalike models. So saying, okay, we know, you know, some of the most successful self-serve customers that have converted or, or sales-led customers that have converted, what are some of the attributes that they share? They're a company, you know, let's say it's firmographic, you know, company size over 500 employees. They're based in the U.S. They, you know, they're in this industry, whatever it might be. But then also they've done certain things in the product, like they got to this phase. Let's find other customers that look like that and advertise to them. This is awesome. That that's a really good case. Like also to bring in a different perspective into the typical advertising what you would do. One thing that we have seen at Dream Data work as well is writing content when you figure out where people like either don't understand the part of the product or go so many times it's like oh we might want to explain this piece because we don't have that much have you seen that yeah i mean with our customers i think we're not as involved on the you know marketing side for, for the content marketing side so i haven't seen that particular use case but i can see how that could be a good fit if like especially on onboarding if you're seeing you know a lot of customers um, or, or end users kind of get stuck in a certain part of the product, the product team might notice that or, or marketing team might notice that and say, hey, listen, we're, we're seeing a huge funnel drop off here. Is that because they don't know how to do the Salesforce integration or they don't know how to do, you know, um, build a playbook or whatever, I'm just using terms from, from our product. And so in that case, like, hey, let's let's actually write, you know, a bit more about this so that people um, have, you know, are, are armed with that. So I think that's a great use case. We haven't seen it, but I'm not, I'm not saying that's not one that I, mean, I think of me. Maybe we should do that actually, <laughs> look at the data. So yeah. it's a good, good idea. Maybe. So one of the things that we look a lot at dream data is intent. And usually intent from the marketing side is like G2s and reverse IP lookups and so on. But product data has so much intent. What kind of triggers are you looking for to build those like intent groups to push them over to sales? Yeah. So I think First of all, the intent from like coming to a website, going to a pricing page, doing the de-anonymization of the IP to say, oh, it's XYZ customer that's not even a customer yet, this prospect, you know, just wants your pricing page. Love that. I think that's a great technique. And I think I saw you guys just release a product around that, right? So congrats on, on that. that. That's really cool. Um, and then on the intent side for G2 or, or Bumbora or other things, I think that's cool too. I mean, it, you know, I, I wonder a bit on you know, how accurate that is sometimes, but I, I think it's a really good strategy. You know, it's kind of in a vacuum. You want to know, is someone researching our competitors or, or similar products? And so if you if you can find a way to get that information, that that should indicate intent. 
I think the, the reason why we feel product data is, is as good or even better maybe in some cases than, than some of those things is, you know, it's actual usage. Someone has gone through the trouble of signing up for your product, whether it's a trial or self-serve, start to use it. Um, and then hopefully, I mean, this is where the intent really starts to tip over into being high. They've gotten to aha moments in the product. They've invited teammates in, they've onboarded fully, they are using the product, you know, a lot of the capabilities of the product. Those are the types of things a little deeper in after signup that we look for to tip people over into that PQL or PQA score and then say, hey, sales, they might not have ever requested a demo or whatever, but they're doing all this stuff in the product. It's a good fit customer for you. So you should really kind of proactively say, hey, can we help you here? Like, what, what are you trying to do? Let, let's, uh, let's talk. Yeah. Do you define any use cases for how many people from the team register for the platform and the usage of that types? Like, what are the signals you would be looking for in the usage of the platform before it's sent over to sales? How do you work with that? I think it, it does differ, you know, for, for our customers since, since every product is, you know, fundamentally different. I mean, there's a lot of commonalities for SaaS. Like there's, if you're a seat-based product, you're looking at, okay, are, are people being invited in? Maybe like a trigger that we see used a lot that to answer your question directly is like, did like a couple end users get invited, to, you know, are using it, but then they invite their boss in like a VP mm -hmm. level title. So like, those are kind of some of the things that we look for and, and try and encourage our customers to build sort of triggers around in our product. And we can be able to or you can like create a task in Salesforce, like those types of things are, are definitely key triggers. I think, you know, sometimes though, those, those don't happen. And so you want to look at usage. Um, and some of the things I mentioned combined with the fit and then basically say to sales, hey, listen, you don't necessarily have the VP in the product or like the buyer, like, but you should use the fact that they have a couple of the team members in actively doing stuff to then go to your, you know, economic buyer or the decision maker or the types of titles that you typically see and try and get them involved reaching out cold. Or another technique that we recommend is go to the end user and say, hey, I'd like to just talk to you about how you're using the product, get them on the phone turn them into a champion and say, Hey, like, well, how do we like get this, you know, in the company more, like, how can we, you know, get this, um, rolled out? And so use that usage to, to, to encourage a larger buy. So those are kind of some of the strategies and tactics that we uh, encourage our customers. Love, love that. It, it's so much easier to sell when you have so much intent to talk about in sales with your buyers, who would be the key user of that type of product intent data to push over to sales? Yeah. So, I mean, we see a lot of the RevOps team kind of admitting mm -hmm. our product. So they're, they're kind of saying, okay, let's think through strategically how we want to enable the sales side with different playbooks, with different triggers, maybe collaborating with marketing around the scoring side. Okay. Let's like make sure we're aligned with marketing. So they're, you know, hitting their lead goals and like, you know, be okay with kind of how it fits into any other work that they're doing. And then basically enabling the sales side to, to understand when they get a Slack notification with a high scoring account that says, okay, this has three users, but the VP is not there. Like, what do I do then? So um, RevOps is often pretty central to that. We also partner closely with, you know, sales, like mid-level leadership, uh, maybe first line where they're like running a team. They're kind of, they have the problem. They're trying to, you know, drive pipeline, drive revenue. They know that if they were able to find more intent from within the, the self-serve side and do a better job of outreach there, they do a great job you know, in their numbers. And so we often collaborate closely with those sales leaders to devise the playbooks and, and enable the team as well. Yeah, cool. And now it's into the activation part. Like 
now you've defined what do the triggers look for you and you know what does like how does the account look hot and so on how should you enable the team members to react on that at the client side at the prospect side so it doesn't look awkward because we've seen those i've seen you have watched this or did that like want to talk it's like yeah <laughs> okay delete cookies yeah well i think so my I'm, I'm biased here but i mean i think with like the like the g2 or babora stuff like you can't send an email being like hey i saw you're like researching our competitors on like a third-party website like that's <laughs> you just can't do that at all right so that's that's impossible i think you know with um with obviously like fill out a form like hey i saw you checked out our white paper like cool like ha happy to chat about it i guess a little easier where you can kind of use that as a hook i think for us I, I mean and by the way i've seen people use like hey i saw you checked out pricing i'm you know fully capable of telling you about pricing because i work in sales so like people can do that i mean it's a little maybe a little creepy but i don't think you know it's the end of the world what's cool about product data though is that you're actually able to say, hey, I started using a product. I saw you invited some teammates in. It's like, it's not that creepy. Maybe in the, maybe, tell me if in the EU it's worse, but. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to help. Like, I think what we recommend is the sales team takes a different approach to yeah. kind of outreach, which is much more around, hey, I see you're already using the product. Like, I want to help you be, you know, enabled with it. Can we get a solutions engineer involved? Can we help? Can I? provide documentation or blog posts about how to use it correctly. So it's a lot more like consultative and like uh, the sales assist title you might've heard of is kind of our recommended approach. And then once you get someone talking, you're like, okay, well, what are you actually trying to do here? Is this an opportunity to, to actually, you know, get your team involved, get, do more, you know, oh, well, you should actually do this instead. So there's, there's then you get into the, the sort of selling motion. Uh, that, that's what we've seen work really well. And I, I would recommend it highly for, for anyone that wants to kind of take this approach. It's definitely less creepy because you already came into the shop. So the product is your shop. And if you're looking for a sofa and walking around all the sofas, so you are like, if you're asked by somebody is like, would you like some help to understand about sofas? And they would say, yes, because I'm in the sofa shop. So it's kind I'm of, here, I'm here, you know, it's, it's not that crazy, right? If you're like, I'm here on the website, I'm, I'm shopping around here. I'm trying to figure out, you know, is this going to be what I need? You yeah. want to person to be like, hey, and then, you know, if you're like, hey, no, I'm just looking like, fine, you know, the salesperson hopefully gives up and doesn't do a 20, 20 email sequence and, and cold call you uh, till the end of the day. But, but yeah, I mean, that that's, that I like that analogy a lot. Hey, D asked a question and I don't know how to respond in chat, but we do have a playbook library on our website and I can maybe send that in the private chat here uh, yeah if you push it to the private so d's question for whoever is not watching this just listening do you have any playbooks on the website product outreach is new to many so how would you approach that and i will just push it over to the linkedin chat just in a second as well where the playbooks are so yes so you created playbooks that's cool can you walk us through what those enable companies to do the playbooks yeah. that push now. So in our product, at least the way, you know, we've architected it is you can build these scores, which identify kind of different, you know, intent for different accounts. So like you could do a, a conversion score for more top of the funnel. They maybe just signed up, which of those accounts are worth sales team spending time on to try and convert from free to paid. You can also create an expansion score. Maybe they're already paying on a credit card. They're, you know, they're paying a thousand dollars a month or $500 a month. They've never talked to sales, but they, you know, signed up for your self-serve product. Which of those accounts should sales, you know, jump in on and say, Hey, I know you're spending money today. Can we, you know, 
can you spend more? Like there's more you can do. So we help you know score that way. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is this playbook. So we allow you to basically take those scores and any of the other data you're sending us, it could be product data or firmographic data about the company size, that sort of thing. And then you can build like these composite triggers. So you can say, hey, I wanna target a high conversion score account that just visited the pricing page today. And I want them to then, uh, the salesperson who owns that account to be alerted that they were on the pricing page, they should do some research and reach out. And if we know the person who actually visited the pricing page, we can say, hey, so-and-so VP of whatever, um, just visited pricing page. This is a high scoring account as well for conversion. You know, you should reach out to them specifically. So that's like one very easy example of the type of playbook that that we can enable. But we can do you know so many other things uh, in addition to that. Tim, a curveball. Does activity on your product mean buying intent? Not always. I mean, I think I think part of the reason why scoring is important is because a lot of times people you know go to the sofa shop and they're like you know. I don't know why I walked in here today. I, my couch is maybe not the best couch. It's like fine though. Like I maybe at one point in my life I'll upgrade the couch. So I'm just here, but maybe I'm not gonna do anything about it. Software is the same. Like you could be, you know, a customer of XYZ software product. You're six months into your, you know, annual deal. Maybe you want to like look at a replacement, but maybe not. You know, so it, it could be just shopping around. So I think, and and if it's a self-serve product, you could sign up and start using it. So I think the reason why you know we try and look at you know deeper activation signals that that show kind of lookalike intent is to separate those kind of tire kickers or people who maybe just you know created an account and are not really that kind of high intent from the ones that really look like the customers that convert and then make sure the salespeople are spending the most time on the ones that are, have the highest potential uh, to. To streamline this, how would you score and where would you keep that scoring information for the intent? So our scoring system is is like a little different than how um, sort of other scoring systems work. So a lot of scoring systems, like what you could do in, in HubSpot, for example, is you can like assign points to things. You can say, okay, they visited pricing page. That's ten points. That's a lot. They um, you know they haven't come to the website in thirty days. So that's like negative three points. Let you know it's lower in ten or whatever. So you kind of have this like system, right? Nothing wrong with that. I think that can work. Uh, but our system basically is designed to say, okay, what's the end goal that you're looking for? You're looking to do free to pay conversion. So let's look at all accounts that have converted from free to paid. Let's have our system analyze the commonalities between those accounts. They had an average of three users or more. They started to use this particular feature. They are increasing growth week over week of this amount. And so we kind of churn through all those data points that they have over hundred employees. They're based in, um, in England. You know, so we look at all these different data points and then we assign a score to any account that hasn't converted yet based on how much they rank against those data points that the successful conversions do. Mm -hmm. So that's our, and then we come up with a composite score. But what we also allow you to do is actually send the like composites, the, the composite data, like, okay, they have seven users. That's really good. You can push that into your CRM alongside the score. Um, so you're able to basically show the salesperson, hey, not only is this a high score, but it's because they have a lot of users. It's because they're based in England. It's because they have over 100 employees. All those factors together are combining to make this a very interesting account. Mm -hmm. And would you integrate any of the product usage data with marketing side of the world as well? So now we still spoke in sales, but for marketers to have some data points to push any data to their side, do you use that in any way? 
I mean, I think we talked about one of the use cases that, that we've seen with the customers, which is which is advertising, and then obviously just the, the lead scoring piece. I'm curious, like you're you're the expert coming from Dream Data, like what 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 can you imagine, or what are you seeing today? Some of your customers doing with with product data on the marketing side. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious to hear if there's anything that, that comes to mind that, that you're seeing. So sorry to put the throw the question back. No, on. I think it's really relevant. So in order to start using some language from a specific product piece in marketing. Like how high should the score be for us to start using it in a given market or to start doing LinkedIn advertising on this specific group of customers? So you still need to do the same what you just did on sales. It's like we need to know that, oh, they're in England and maybe they're 200 to 500 employees and they're B2B SaaS and have a trial on the website. But then what should we say to them? I'm thinking that it could be interesting to have some high levels of product parts that most of those types of customers are going into and then write content around it to wrap up the problem that you're solving. So it's going back to let's explain the problem and why this part of product solves this problem. And once they're there, they're actually already informed about the problem that they're trying to figure out. Like that's helping sales as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really interesting. And um, maybe a, a quick analogy from my past. So I, I haven't always been in B2B. I actually um, worked at a startup and, and for a long time before that, I see Tim Delisio. He, he and I worked together a long time ago. So I worked in consumer in, in advertising actually, and I, I sold advertising. And so one of the things that I did was basically we, we built a, a retargeting company. And so if, I'm sure you're familiar with retargeting, but basically you like tag people that come to your product or your website or whatever, and then you try and go get them again to, to come back and complete the purchase. Remember um, the sofa. Yeah, yeah, remember the sofa, you loved it, uh, go back and get it. And so we worked a lot of uh, game companies and we did lookalike modeling there as well. And, and we, you know, we worked with companies like Supercell and King.com, Candy Crush. And, and so what we would do is we would try and say, okay, you know, what are some of the things that those people who played those games did that indicated they were whales, they spent a lot, they like used, a lot of the product and, and we try and then identify ones that looked like that to try and get them into the product as well so i mean i think that's a clear win for marketers in b2b too like can you kind of do this lookalike modeling using correlated or, or other things um, and say okay we know andy thanks another former colleague of mine yeah so so basically can you um, can you look at like those um, those elements that and then, and then target them with the content you described? Like, hey, pe people maybe don't say it this way, but like people like you, um, you know, love this game or lo love this product, um, and here's why it's like a good fit for you. Um, I think that's that's a really uh, interesting approach. Absolutely, and Dee is asking. I think it's going to be the final question before we go. No, actually, I have one more. Okay, so let's not reveal too much. How would you use Dream Data and correlate it together? And Not that's an interesting. Data, almost uh, Halloween, but dread data would be uh, <laughs> dread data. Yeah, yeah, that's dream data. Yeah, but I mean, the part that you spoke about, Tim, the reveal product that we have released in, like, you look at G two intent and so on, all that type of data, which is showing intent, is like a very slow intent. Maybe it's not going to convert, but if you add product data into that one as well and figuring out what does intent mean for these types of clients that would come from correlated and then they go and close further down it's like oh how do you attribute that that could be really strong yeah absolutely and we actually have customers doing this <coughs> excuse me to some extent today where they're combining kind of the composite score they're getting from an intent provider and then they're pulling that in with 
product usage and then saying, okay, this is showing high intent from that provider. If they're also kind of in the product and showing, you know, good signs there for uh, conversion or expansion. So let's like use that as a composite score to then alert sales to go after it. So I think that's uh, one, one thing that off the top of my head makes, uh, makes a lot of yeah. sense. Today. Final question, Tim, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> no, definitely not. It's Why definitely not? Well, it's uh, it's you got a specific thing. It's a bun. It's not like two pieces of bread. It's like this cylindrical, you know, meat. It, it's not like you know flat meat. So no, it's a th it's its own thing. It's its own category. But if you put a sausage on a piece of bread, is that a sandwich or a hot dog then? Well, you can't really like eat a sausage on a piece of bread that way. It's like oh, I'll show you. <laughs> I mean, you gotta like slice it, right? You gotta get it like flatter. You slice it in half. You like get the two pieces into the bread. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I, I'm here in Brooklyn. Well, not right now. I live in Brooklyn. I'm in Manhattan right now. But you know, we we've got the like original hot dog. You know, Nathan's hot dog. So it's its own category. No. Let, let the hot dog have its place in the assessment. Okay. Thank you so much, Tim, for today. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.